0: All right, everyone. So this is Dr. Nee here. I actually have a special guest from Provider Solutions and Development team. But we're going to be talking about what it's like to work for yourself, what it's like to be a locums, and kind of flush that out more. Because we know that right now we're in the midst of a lot of fellows, a lot of fifth year or chief residents, whatever specialty that you may be in, they are looking for jobs. And it's really important that they know what options are available to them, right? There are different ways in which you can work with a hospital, with a clinic. It's not just the traditional way, hence Docs Outside the Box. We're going to tell you guys about the non-traditional ways in which you can work. So I just want to start off by telling my quick story about doing locums. So I did my residency in general surgery. I did five years at Morehouse School of Medicine, one of the best five years ever in general surgery. Tough, but I'd learned a lot. And then afterwards I did a trauma surgery fellowship at the University of Miami Trauma Center. That was a great experience also. But what I started to notice is right around the January, I'd say December, January timeframe, I really was in the midst of interviewing at different places. And I really felt uncomfortable interviewing at these places for five to eight hours a day, and then deciding that I was going to sign a three-year or five-year contract just off of that. Just for me, that was a problem. I think for other people, that's not that big of a deal. But for me, that was a problem. And during that time, I was talking to my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife. And I was just saying, you know, I just feel really uncomfortable doing this. And she said, Well, why don't you consider locums? And I had no clue what that was. She educated me on what it was, and I quickly poo-pooed it. And I poo-pooed it mainly because the rest of my fellows weren't doing it. And that really, to me, looking back is really not the smartest decision to make, right? You're making decisions based off of what other people will think instead of you know making a decision for yourself so after you know several other interviews doing the same thing i finally decided that i wasn't going to sign at a place specifically that i'm going to do what's called locum tenens i'm going to work for an agency or work with an agency and work at specific hospitals and decide you know what type of environment what type of experience i want to work with and i did this for about a year and a half worked at various places various states I worked in Pennsylvania. I worked in Idaho. Sometimes I'd be working in Minnesota and Wisconsin. And all of my travel, we're talking hotel, car, as well as flight, and even medical malpractice was covered by the agency. And during this year and a half, I really learned a lot of things. One, that my clinical acumen was great. And that although I was very scared, I can you know handle myself operating and so forth. And I'm not going to lie. There were some times where there was just great partners there. And you know, I would be able to ask them questions or just reach out to someone in my fellowship or surgery program and just say, hey, I have a question about this. So just trust that the training that you got in your residency is good enough for you to work on your own as a locums. But then also, I got a chance to meet a whole bunch of different people who were doing really cool things as locums. And that pretty much is the genesis of this show, right? I met people who were coaching other doctors, I met doctors who were doing medical humanitarian work and using locums to kind of subsidize that lifestyle. But the other thing too that I learned is how important the work that I do, how valuable that is to a hospital and to a system. And when it came time to finally realizing where I wanted to stay, I ended up signing a three-year contract with a place that I did locums at, but damn sure I knew how much to ask for, damn sure I knew how to negotiate because I knew what I was worth. And I haven't looked back since. So with this episode, I start that off by just letting you guys know that there are different ways in which you can work with a hospital and start your clinical practice. And I got Nick Ball here with Provider Solutions and Development. Welcome to the show, man. How you doing?
1: I'm doing well. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, yeah. Sorry about going on my little soliloquy, but I just wanted to kind of talk to them about, you know, what it's like to, you know, kind of feel the pressure of taking a traditional type of job and just kind of just saying, no, I don't want to do that. I want to do something else. And there being options there
1: for you. It's good to hear everybody's story. They're all okay. different and yet similar at the same time. Well,
0: why don't you tell us about what you do with PSND and then we'll kind of just take it from there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, PSND is part of the Providence family. I am the program manager for our locum tenants administration department for Providence. So, our team has essentially centralized the locums request and process for all 51 hospitals, close to 1000 clinics we have. And anytime a hospital or clinic needs a locum tenens provider to fill in for them, they come to our team, place the request, and we then work on behalf of the health system with the agencies we contract to get that need filled, keep things compliant, moving through efficiently and be that neutral voice on behalf of both the health system and the agencies we partner with.
0: What exactly is locum tenens Tell us the name of that. What,
1: yeah, I know that from, from man. that's a great question. So it is a Latin term that really essentially means in the place of or to substitute for. The idea was that a locum tenens provider is meant to step in in place of a provider who may be on leave, ill, whatever the case may be, on a short-term basis. At times, those needs become a little bit longer in duration.
0: Right. So when you say longer in duration or even short in duration, what are we talking about? Are we talking about a couple of days, weeks, months, years? How what's the usual time frame?
1: Yes to all of those. So we've had assignments and facilities request 24-hour call coverage for one weekend because they have somebody who's going to be out. We've had facilities who have requested 8 months or longer of locums coverage full time by a provider because it's a hard to fill specialty in a difficult location. So pediatric, you know, subspecialties in Alaska going to be more harder to recruit for. So they may have a longer stint of a locum tenens provider to fill the need and provide that patient care that's needed. So
0: what's the conversation like when someone, let's say, for example, someone like me decides to connect with you all coming right out of fellowship or coming right out of residency? What is the initial conversation like? How does that go?
1: Yeah, it could go one of a couple paths. And I love the fact that in your story, you mentioned just recognizing your own self-worth, because I think that is a key component for any provider who's interested in doing locums is knowing their own self-worth financially, physically, mentally, because that then helps them make the educated choice. If they come to us and have a conversation and they're interested in doing locums, we can then direct them down one of a couple paths, whether that be they are a W-2 employed provider with us doing on-call support, in which case we're withholding taxes and doing some of those things like any other employed provider. They could go the path of 1099 contractor and contract directly with the hospital if they carry their own malpractice insurance. If they don't want to carry their own malpractice insurance, have concerns about scheduling logistics, travel, you know, compensation, all of that, they could then go the course of having an agency represent them And that agency would then contract with our health system to provide support.
0: So if they go the W-2 route, this is like per diem work. It's just that are they actually employed by the hospital? How does that work? Explain that a little bit better.
1: Yeah, so it would be a per diem role and they are part of the hospital staff. So they are employed by the health system, by the hospital to provide diem support for that location, which then could also be shared to other hospitals, other locations within our health system
0: if needed. Okay. And do they get benefits at all in this type of fashion or?
1: Yes, to an extent. It varies, I believe, based on location. And obviously, our health system benefits would vary based on the next health system or clinic or whomever they're representing. So I can't speak for others, but I can say with us, there are some more minor benefits that come with being per diem.
0: Okay. And just like you said, when you're W 2 and you're per diem, you're not forced to work, but opportunities get extended to you. You can decide to go and work, correct? Correct. Okay. And then in terms of like taxes and all that stuff, like you get a normal paycheck with taxes taken out, like FICA, Medicare, all those different things within the W-2 realm, correct?
1: That's correct. Gotcha. Now, Going W-2 is often cheaper for the health system as an option than contracting with an agency. So there is a healthier appetite for a health system to contract directly with a provider in a W-2 fashion to have them provide support.
0: Okay, now let's do the second option. Now, the second option you said is They could be a 1099, and what that means is they are, the physician or provider is an independent contractor who's working kind of, they're working with the hospital, so to speak. They're not an employee. It's not really employed position whatsoever. And when they provide services, they have to, in this situation, have to come with their own medical malpractice, the provider does.
1: Correct. Again, some health systems have the ability to provide malpractice insurance, some do not. Just for sake of this example, yes, it would be a provider has their own malpractice insurance, and they want to negotiate and contract directly with that hospital or clinic as a 1099 contractor. They then withhold their own taxes. They manage their own travel schedules. All of that is done themselves as a provider.
0: Okay. So if they charge for $5,000 worth of work, the hospital, or they get paid back $5,000, but it's up to the provider, you as a physician to say, okay, I need to keep a certain amount for taxes when it's time for tax time. I need to keep a certain amount for whatever it may be, maybe for my retirement and so forth. And I think that can scare some people and may force them to go down the W-2 route. And I think that that's fine. I think that's okay to say, look, I don't want to deal with that. I just want to go down the W-2 route and know how much is going to be taken out of my taxes. I think from my experience as a personal point of privilege, I just want to say that I've done it where I've worked with a hospital as a 1099 and I've also looked and brought my own medical malpractice. So for those who are listening and wondering, oh, this is going to be really hard to do. It's actually not that hard to do. There are brokers who are around who can help you find cheap medical malpractice. And then you can come back and talk with the hospital and say, well, this is what my rate would be with medical malpractice. And see if you can negotiate that way with the hospital. And then the third way you said is you can still remain an independent contractor, but you would actually go through an agency. Can you explain that more? Because people are already probably listening. And I'm like, well, I thought PSND was already an agency. Clarify that for us so we understand that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So PSND, we are not a low tenants agency. We are a division under the health system, under the Providence Health System at the end of the day, representing our health system, but doing it in a way that we are working closely with our locum agencies nationally that we deal with and consolidating the process down to a more streamlined approach.
0: So we're talking about like, you guys work with the big locums agencies like the Hayes, the Weatherby, Comp Health, all those different things.
1: Correct. Yeah, we have about 75 agencies that we engage with. There's that many? There are even more than that, I will say.
0: (laughs) I guess it's a good thing and a bad thing, depending on who you connect with. But please, I'm sorry, yep. go ahead.
1: No, no, it's great. Some of them are larger in scope and size. The comp CompHealths, the Locomtenance.coms, they you know, will be multi-specialty. You'll have some agencies that specify or work only specifically in one specialty or two specialties, and that's their niche. And so again, as a provider, it depends on what you do, where you want to be, how you want to be represented. Going the route of an agency, there are a lot of benefits to it. Being a locum tenens provider means that you have to schedule flights, book hotels, rental cars, manage all of that part of the assignment, including if there's last minute changes, flight cancellations, those types of things. The malpractice, manage your malpractice and make sure that you're carrying that policy. Going the route of an agency provides a bit of relief to some of those stressors of being a locum tenens provider. Typically, the agency will have a department that books your travel for you, will be there to assist you with last minute travel cancellations, needs, hiccups. They will bury you on their malpractice plan and host that part of the process for you. There are a lot of benefits to going the agency route versus being your own locum tenants provider. Depends on your own skill set and courage level, I suppose.
0: Yeah, this is why when I finished my fellowship, this is what I did. I worked with one of the larger companies and I worked as a locum's. I did it for a year and a half, and it was great. The thing for me that became really interesting, and this is another thing that I think, you know, if you are an entrepreneur, if you're listening to Docs Outside the Box, obviously you're an entrepreneur, is there was one specific hospital that I worked at where I found out that there were doctors who contracted themselves directly with the hospital, and then there were doctors who contracted directly with an agency, which would be the third option that you mentioned. And I was able to find out that the doctors who worked directly with the hospital were able to retain more of whatever they charged because there wasn't the agency in the middle that was, you know, doing the license for them, that was, you know, doing the flights and all those different things. So the doctors who contracted directly with the hospital in their own way, and they were taking their own medical malpractice also, were able to keep more money. But, you know, they had more things that they had to handle on their own. Like you said, the last minute charges and so forth. So I think from an entrepreneurial standpoint, there are just many different ways that you can handle this. So when a doctor says, hey, you know, I want to choose option one, two, or three, what happens next? Once they decide they want to go through any of those options, they're able to solidify that they want to work at a specific hospital. Like what happens next then?
1: Really at that point, they would engage in the conversation with whomever they choose. So Mm -hmm. for, I think for sake of conversation, let's say a provider wants to go the agency route. They would work with the agency representative. Agency rep then has their own connections to health systems and knows the open needs that are on their desk to fill and will have a conversation with the provider about what those needs are, where they're located, what requirements there there may be of that provider, what the compensation is going to look like for that provider. Typically in that case, the agency has a contract with the provider, so they will pay the provider. The health system does not pay the provider directly. They would pay the agency. So there's two contracts in place.
0: When you're with an agency, you are not employed by anybody, right? You have a relationship with the agency, but you're not really employed by them. And then obviously, you're not employed directly by the hospital also, right?
1: That is correct. I will say with the caveat of there are some states that have or are going down the path of requiring agencies to employ APCs. So nurse practitioners, physician assistants, CRNAs. California is one that did that most recently. So I certainly won't go down that rabbit hole because that's a whole nother topic of conversation. But for the most yeah. part, especially yeah. on the physician side of things, yes, going the route of an agency means that you are still independent contractor and you have that flexibility to pick and choose the assignments that you want based on what is best for you.
0: Yeah, so let's go down on that. Let's talk more a little bit about the positives of locum tenants. Take us more because you talked yeah. about the flexibility. Take us more into that work life stuff.
1: Yeah, so low content for one does match a variety of lifestyles. If you're a road warrior and you love to travel, it's going to check that box for you. If you are somebody who is interested in managing your own finances and investing how you best feel your money, it checks that box for you because you have to manage your funds. If you are somebody who likes going in and typically having that appreciation for being the hero that steps in at the 11th hour or providing the support that's much needed when hope may have been lost, you get that as well. You check that box.
0: I've been there. I've been
1: there. Got you covered. So there's a lot of benefit to it in that capacity. Where you'll also see a lot of benefit is as a provider in your own vetting process. So if you express interest in a position or two that an agency presents to you, and you're asked by the health system to discuss or chat about that position, interview for that position, the interview process is both ways. It's not just the health system interviewing the provider. It's also the time for the provider to interview the health system and understand, is this going to be a fit for me? Is this a short-term, long-term fit? Is it a cultural fit? Am I working with a team that I feel like I will truly respect, learn from, help educate, Whatever is important to that provider? It's a very fine time for that relationship to be developed and built. Very often within our health system, providers are brought in for recurring dates. So they may have one weekend a month doing call work or whatever. So while you as a provider have the flexibility of picking your own schedule, you also then have the chance to build in some continuity within that by saying, I'm going to return to the same health system over and over because there's a recurring once a month need. And so that's where it becomes key for a provider to really know that they own their own part of understanding whether or not it's the right relationship for them.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you really explained that because I think from our perspective, we're so used to getting in where we fit in, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's med school and residency, you know, med school, you're lucky to just get into one. Or if you get into one, it's you're just, you know, hoping that you get in. And then for residency, it's based off of a computer system, right? So you really don't have much say as to which school you want to go to, which residency you want to go to. And I think when it comes down to now looking for your own job, someone tells you, you know, now actually you're making the decisions. You get to interview, you have some control. It could turn out to be, you know, quite a shocker, young attendings and residents who are getting ready to graduate and fellows. They're like, wait, what do you mean I have the power to make these decisions? So I'm glad you explained that.
1: A pleasure. <laughs> All right.
0: So now that we talked about that and just real quick, like I have a really good friend of mine, we've known each other since 2013. She was in a place at a hospital and an I came in as a locums to provide for a partner or multiple partners that had left this facility, and she was there still. And she finally decided to go the way of locums. And she like travels throughout the world. Like she will work for, you know, two weeks out of the month. and then the last two weeks or a week or so, she goes and she travels the world. and she's been to Antarctica, she's been to Australia numerous times. You name it in the world, you know, she's been there, and she's still able to keep a very busy trauma surgery you know, surgical critical care type of experience. It's just that she's prioritized, you know, her clinical work as well as, you know, having the best, you know, work-life balance as possible. So just want you all to know like the opportunities that are available in this situation. Now let's get into the risks because everything can't just be sunshine and, you know, good times. So what are some of the risks associated with locum tenants?
1: Yeah. I love that your friend does that because I think one of the risks that people need to realize is that there is a work hard, play hard mentality to doing locums. You can really put the time and effort and then have that flexibility to do your own thing. That said, having the flexibility to do your own thing can sometimes come at a cost. Doing locums with the health system, for truly lack of better terms, can sometimes be seen as the necessary evil because it's a more expensive option for coverage. And if there is Another option for the health system to pursue, even at the 11th hour, that may mean canceling an assignment for a locum tenants provider, which as a locums provider could be detrimental if you're not managing your funds and have a game plan for when those situations occur. Hopefully few and far between, but they can occur at times. So I think that that is certainly one of the risks is not preparing yourself for what can happen and having that comfort bubble on the side that you can rely on. The other Major risk I would say is, and this is probably far more so for your newer providers, is understanding where you want to do locums and where you want to work possibly in the long term. So, doing locums in your own backyard can sometimes hinder your long term ability for finding an employed position. So, for example, if what do you mean? Yeah. So, if in the early years, let's say you do locums to get the experience nationally but you have plans in three years to probably settle down with the health system in your backyard. If you do a locums assignment with that health system that you are targeting long-term, it could also mean that that health system then has to pay a contract buyout fee to utilize your services or to have you come on as an employed provider.
0: They pay this directly to who the they
1: agency to that the would agency. be representing. Yeah. Okay. So the agency will have a contract with the health system Terms can vary depending on the health system, the agency, the contract, so I won't go down that path, but it could mean that the health system would have to pay a fee to that agency to utilize that provider's services in an employed fashion within a set period of time. That can then, you know, a financial hindrance to the health system when it comes to their long-term or permanent recruitment efforts, and it can be a hindrance to the provider who's doing work in their own backyard.
0: That happened to me, actually. So when the place that I ended up working eventually... I did locums there. I actually interviewed there for a job initially. They happened to put up a job request. And I just said, let me go and take an interview there. I interviewed there. And, you know, I was like, well, I'm not sure. It was such a big change in terms of work practice, work schedule versus what I've been introduced in. Usually I spend most of my training in an urban area. This would be working in a rural area. They offered me locums. Would you want to work here as locums? And I said, ah, I'm not too sure. So then actually, I ended up calling a locums agency and setting up a relationship with the hospital. So after working at this hospital through a locums agency, at the end of the year, or when it was time to get employed, actually, they ended up talking to each other. And the conversation was, okay, now it's time to buy you out. But actually, at the last minute, the hospital was able to get around it because I technically interviewed at this place. I had a relationship prior to the locums company introducing me to the hospital. I don't know if you know what I'm getting at, but I'm not saying that this occurs all the time, but those are some of the things that could happen also, everyone who's listening also. So I'm sorry not to cut you off, Nick, but I'm just kind of throwing in my story so people kind of understand what are the variations that could occur here.
1: You bring up a really good point, which is, you know, every health system is going to have different terms contracted with the agency. And some of that means that there's a known relationship. What does that mean financially for the health system? That option two I spoke of earlier of being a 1099 contractor and contracting directly with the health system. And I hope I don't get skewed in your comments for saying this, but I think that that is typically where you're going to see providers doing this. They're working in their own backyard, but they want to be a 1099 contractor by being able to remove some of the other hurdles and stressors, such as booking your own travel and things like that. If your only stressor is now carrying your own malpractice insurance, sometimes it's beneficial for them to just contract directly with the health system versus going the locum tenens agency route. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's one thing people need to understand. Yeah, that's a really good idea. So you just stay 1099, but you are in a very local area, you just have to worry about getting your own medical malpractice, but you don't have to worry about flight and car and hotel and so forth because you're right in town. Mm -hmm. Wow. So do you have any stories of any long term locums or any cool stories of you having a relationship with doctors who've gone this route and kind of never back?
1: Yeah, we have several locations that have utilized providers for years and years and years. Whether again is a situation where it's a hard to fill specialty and they've had a locums provider for two years while they found the right fit. We've had providers who will always provide holiday coverage for that facility and it takes that stress away from the hospital. So they just say, we're going to use the locum provider, we're going to budget it in every year that we're going to have this provider come back for Thanksgiving and Christmas and call it good. There are those relationships that happen where I would say we see a lot of return from providers and people wanting to come back to our facilities are in those that really take the time to invest in that locums provider as part of their family versus that necessary evil that comes in just to fill a shift. So bringing them in, helping them understand the community, the soft benefits, being treated equally with the other providers, not being given the more difficult or underrated shifts, really being part of that family as a whole means those providers come back long-term and we have those strengthened relationships that happen, which sometimes do lead to that provider joining that health system in a community they never really thought they saw themselves settling in because they came to realize by working there, they love the community, they love the team, and it's exactly what they were looking for. It's just that that city was not on their radar. Yeah,
0: I agree with you there. Like sometimes it's better to deal with the devil that you know than than you don't know. So if you don't treat your locums well and, you know, from a hospital system, you know, whatever the partners are doing and they're dumping on the locums and they just say, look, I'm going to come and work it and I'm out and they don't have any tie in. You're going to continue to have a turnover with locums. And like you said, you may have someone that definitely doesn't fit and it could be an issue. And from my own experience, you know, every place that for the most part I've been to, you know, the people who are permanently there have made me feel like I'm literally a part of the team and did not give me additional work or give me, you know, they gave me shifts that they may not have wanted, but these are like, they were equally doled out. I leave it to you like that. And, you know, each and every place for the most part, I really considered staying. It's just that for me, it became a location issue. So I definitely agree with you there a hundred percent.
1: Yeah, you saw it. You get to try it before you buy it, essentially.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, look, Nick, man, this was great. You know, I think that, you know, like I said, this episode is coming out during a time when, you know, so many young physicians, whether they are finishing residency or finishing fellowship, or even just young, you know, attendings who are looking to change. You know, this is the time when they should be looking. So I really appreciate you coming on and talking to us about the non-traditional ways in which you can find employment and find, you know a work life balance within your clinical practice so thank you so much
1: it's my pleasure you know PSND we are here to be that navigator for people when it comes to their career and aspirations and when it comes to locums i welcome questions from any provider that may have them i'm happy to help provide my own personal insight into it and even if it sheds just a bit of light into what they're looking for so how
0: can people get in touch with you how can people learn more about PSND
1: Yeah, they are welcome to email me directly. It's nick.ball at psdrecruit.org. They can go onto our website and take a look there. They will most likely see our postings if we're recruiting for our own direct locums out there. They'll see them on the various job boards. But any of those fashions, they're welcome to come to us.
0: Awesome. This was great. Thank you again for being on the show.
1: My pleasure. Take care and be well.